Rewind and Digress is a fakeshem.net podcast proudly presented by Viewlorium. Alternative movies, alternative streaming, totally free at viewlorium.com. Welcome to Rewind and Digress, where we hit pause on the now and track back to one of our favourite films. Throw a few bucks in, kick some ass, get our asses kicked, hit continue, kick some ass and clock it. Shadow Demon, you shall not pass. They're dedicated. Welcome to the Power Core. They're fast. They're the greatest heroes to ever fight for justice. All right, so where's the on button? They're the only hope for a new world. Double Dragon. I'm Jared and I'm here with Glenn, we're FakeShemp.net and on this episode we're rewinding back to 1994 to discuss one of the pioneering video game to film adaptations, Double Dragon. On this, it's 25th birthday. This is a reoccurring theme, man. Like, we keep doing anniversary episodes. I mean, someone might listen to this next year, sure, and it's no longer the anniversary of the film as such. That's a time capsule. Yeah, I don't know. It's been, this has not been intentional by any stretch. But, um, the One last day this films. episode will have a 25th anniversary. Yeah, yeah. This this year right now. Or no, the podcast itself. Oh, this podcast. Oh, my God, yeah. Jeez, that's a terrifying thought, dude. We're going to be really old by that point in time. We'll be up to episode 30. We'll be in our 60s, man. Wow. That'll be interesting. Um, all right, so, yeah, look, it might be a bit of a surprise party because aside from you and I, I don't think anyone else is going to come along and celebrate Double Dragon's 25th birthday with us. Well, can I take, like, I want to just, yeah, in addressing that, you use the word pioneering. Well, I say pioneering. <laughs> look, I, the only reason I say pioneering, and I will touch on it, is that prior to this picture, there had only been one other video game to film adaptation. Was that Mario Brothers? That was Mario Brothers. God, and I'll lay waste to that pretty soon. But, um, yeah, this film came ahead of Street Fighter. At least theatrically in the US, uh, not so much in Australia. But I think the theatrical like success of Street Fighter might have ensured that Double Dragon did get a release in Australian cinemas. Because that's the thing: this film opened in the states in I think it was oh god, now this is testing my memory. I think it was like probably around July. No, it must have been later. No, 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 no. I think it was about July. It was during the summer period of 1994, but then it didn't release in Australia until about August of 95. And I think the part of the reason was the success of Street Fighter, but I also think that Scott Wolf had finally become a bit of, you know, a name because when the film opened in the States, at that point, Party of Five had not aired. Yeah. But by this point, Party of Five had already, you know, been in its you first season. He's a bit of a heartthrob. Yeah, yeah. This is a breakout role for Scott Wolf, but I don't even want to jump ahead. What I'll do is I want to give the people that are listening a bit of backstory on the film in case they've never seen uh, Double Dragon or in case they haven't watched Double Dragon for, say, what, 25 years? (laughs) This is a story of Double Dragon. It's set in the future. Um, 2007 So (laughs) it's been in the past now obviously But at that point in time it was 13 years into the future And what remains of LA Which is now known as New Angeles A city ravaged by earthquakes Tidal waves and vicious gangs The evil tycoon Kogashuka uh, Is obsessed with finding two halves Of the talisman known as the Double Dragon Which will give him awesome mystical powers Two teenage brothers Jimmy and Billy Lee find themselves in the possession of the amulet, missing half, thrusting them into the adventure of their lives. And with the help of Maria and her vigilante group, the Power Corps, Jimmy and Billy must summon all of their courage, resourcefulness, and martial arts skills to stop the villain's malevolent plan. It's pretty detailed. It's very detailed. And I mean, from the from the synopsis, you can pretty much tell it's not going to stick strictly to the video game. It's going to kind of forge its own identity. Um, when was the first time you saw Double Dragon? Did oh, you just, see it theatrically? No, I didn't. Just home <laughs> entertainment. It was release. just me and my mate. <laughs> and I thought it was an absolute piece of shit. I really it was an from the get go, fucking turd of a film. And wow. I've watched it for the second time recently. And you opened your eyes and you realised it's 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 you know an it's, undiscovered and gem. And it is a glorious piece of shit. <laughs> it is a glorious it is, piece of it shit. It is. Um, it is as if. John Carpenter were directing Saturday morning television. Right, right. That's what this is. It's it's confused, isn't it? it like it's yeah. like the film kind of doesn't really have like a like who's the audience? Like 
It's a bit all over the shop. It's, it's not quite violent enough to be like, you know, something for like late teens, 20-somethings. It's a bit family-friendly. Yeah. It's, it's got the veneer you know, of family-friendly. It, it does, definitely. But a bit definitely. like what Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did in that first film was it took family-friendly and took a dark spin on it like, yeah. and put this sort of underlining element of... What's the word? I don't know what the word is, but it's got a Shit. really... <laughs> no, I'm sorry, you just said it before. So no, 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 no. I'd like it's, it's just dark underneath, but yeah, yeah, dude. This I, I struggled with this one. Wow, really? I and really it's, struggled. It's not with that it. long a movie, it's too. Got, it's only on ninety odd minutes. It has got so many things that I like. Definitely, you know, uh, it's got that post-apocalyptic cityscape yeah. kind of environment. Yep. I love that. Mm-hmm. It's got cultural appropriation. I love that in films. Of course, you know? yeah, it's got uh, a lot of that. I'm not allowed yeah. to, but I do. Yeah, um, particularly the Kogashuku yes. fucking character. Yes. But um, yeah, it just didn't work for me on any level. Wow, right. No, fair enough. Fair enough. I thought, yeah, I thought this might you might have a soft spot for this one, but you no, think so? Seemingly not. I actually, I saw it at the movies, and I really enjoyed it the first time I saw it. I remember seeing it pre-trailered on a bunch of other films at the time and they'd use this kind of like classical music then slightly remixed and the Mortal Kombat trailer did it at a later point um, and that already kind of sucked me in and then it was just like, oh wow, Robert Patrick from you yep. Know, yep. You know, Terminator 2, the T-1000's in it. Um, I don't know if I was really, I would have been aware of Scott Wolf. Because I was watching Party of Five yeah, as a big Jennifer Love Hewitt fan at the time. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I was a massive fan of the Double Dragon games. I mean, they're no Street Fighter, but Double Dragon Three know, all the way, baby. Double Dragon Three, what a game, what a game. But yeah, I like I had the first two on the NES. I played the third one in the arcades. I was a huge fan of it. So you know, I came into the film, you know, and I think with lowered expectation because I'd seen Mario Brothers the year before yep. and how far that deviated from, you know, the game concept and just became its own sort of thing, which I, I've never really enjoyed and I've gone back and rewatched. Um, whereas Double Dragon, as soon as it came out on video, I rewatched it, loved it, and found myself, um, you know, rewatching it over the years. Admittedly, I hadn't seen it for quite some time before. I will Blue take Mario out. Brothers and Street Fighter over this any day. No way! Oh, my yes God. Yes, way. I actually, I love um, Mario Brothers. <sighs> Yeah, I try, but I just had <laughs> never found a, a soft spot for it. I mean, that, and I'm not to blame John Leguizamo because I don't think he was terrible in that movie. It's no the pest, but um, I mean, I love Bob Hoskins. I love him in everything. Long Good Friday, Mona Lisa, <laughs> Mermaids. No, not so much Mermaids. Was he in Mermaids? Yeah. Yeah, he was in Mermaids. Yeah. Um, Buster? Was he in Buster? No. No. Phil, yeah, Collins. No, he, Phil Collins. Phil Collins did the music and did Phil Collins act in yeah. that as well? Oh, well, there yeah. you go. Yeah. I haven't seen Buster for a long time. Okay. What a soundtrack. Whatever. Knockout uh, soundtrack. Last Orders? <laughs> Last orders, of yeah. course. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. No. Okay. So fair enough. Well, that's interesting. But I'm with you for the ride, mate. I'm with you. Yeah. For the yeah. Ride. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, jump on board. So oh, hey, hey, it's got post-apocalyptic mohawk punk. So that's it. Cool does too. it? Does it? Does very, you know. I'm going to throw this in. It's very Albert Pune. Right. Okay. Yeah. I can. I can. I can see that. Um, you know, look, this film, obviously, like I mentioned prior, I feel like it only got a chance in Australian cinemas off the back of the success of Street Fighter with Jean-Claude Van Damme and Kylie Minogue. But that was an infinitely bigger budgeted film. That was yeah. shot for like 35 mil. This film was shot for, I think, just under 7 mil and it made maybe 2.5 mil in the US Do you think the, the fact that office. they were never able to actually create a good poster for this one... I know, there's so many shitty posters for it. They're all shit. Switching around the logo. We'll go with the game logo, then we'll go with the new logo. I've never seen a good poster for it. Yeah. And the one one that you've presented today on the Blu ray is shitty. Like, there's there's nothing. That's a theatrical poster. There's no US theatrical poster. So you see that theatrical poster when, back when it was released, you see that on the cinema wall uh, alongside all the other upcoming. Like, let's put it on the wall against Street Fighter. Yeah, I mean, John Claude Van Damme's on the poster of Street Fighter. He's doesn't matter. big and prominent. The, so, the actual design, yeah. the the composition, the yeah. style. It's not inspiring, is I it? Am, this looks like Three Ninjas knuckled down or... It does. It does look yeah. like one of those Three Ninjas movies from yeah. the 90s, And that for looks sure. like graffiti. Like, the writing looks like graffiti. Yeah, that's not great title treatment. <laughs> and this 3D sort of rendered double... It's dry, double. shit. You know, yeah. it, it is it is odd art. Admittedly, I don't know if I even saw a poster in the, in the cinema foyer, but I had seen the trailer. And that was enough of a hook for me. I mean, you know, I mentioned that the budget for Street Fighter was considerably larger than than Double Dragon. Yep. And Double Dragon was relatively insignificant in that regard. Um, but the interesting thing too is like you can tell Double Dragon. There's there's a few scenes that are shot, you know, um, on live locations. Mm. But the bulk of it's in sound stages. Yep. Whereas like Street Fighter, there is a lot of real environment stuff, yep. and it was shot in exotic locations like um, Bangkok in Thailand and. Yep. Um, um, 
Queensland, Australia. Um, that was another another one. Whereas this was this was shot this was shot across. Even though it's set in LA, and yeah. a little bit was shot in LA. Most of it was shot in Ohio, mm. I believe Ohio, um, which is odd in yeah. Cleveland. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, I've just got such a such a soft spot for it. I think because for me, with Mario not delivering, and then for this kind of delivering a little, yeah, um, it it meant a lot to me at the time up until Mortal Kombat, which I thought was amazing. Um, and still holds up. It's a lot of fun. Great cast as well. Um, but I'm not digressing onto Mortal Kombat at this point in time. Oh. But I will digress pretty soon because okay. I really want to talk about the fact, obviously, this game is one of the first films to be based off... Of, this film is one of the first ones to be based off a video game. Um, obviously, that sort of set a trend throughout the 90s for a bunch of other movies as well. Mortal Kombat would soon follow, Street Fighter. They even did that Wing Commander movie with Mark Hamill. They do. do you remember that? And, they and um, Freddie Prince Jr., I think, might have been in it as well. Oh, or was it Matthew Lillard? It might have been Matthew Lillard. I can interchange those two because they were often been, in the same films together. Could have been both. Could have yeah. been both. And I mean, obviously, that in itself led into the 2000s, which was an insane period for video game to film adaptations. You had big things like Tomb Raider. You had. Um, a million films directed by Uwe Boll. I was about to say the <laughs> Uwe Boll thing. The like, most you know. guilty um, filmmaker of, of, of directing. Like I think he just did a run of them, like House of the Dead, Blood Rain. How Postal. he got his mitts on all of these properties at the time was beyond no me. Idea. Particularly after, you know, in the public perception, the public eye, he kind of crashed. He burned. Like he fucked up with all these franchises. Yeah, they kept yeah. letting him do them. I don't know how it happened. Like, is he con- constantly finding like foreign investment, then shooting it somewhere in some Eastern European place? And he would always managed to wrangle good talent. Yeah, know? I know. Or people that were kind of like on the fringe, like their career had sort yeah. of hit a point, like Christian Slater wasn't getting big roles at the time. No, he had like Ben Kingsley you know? would pop up in his films, Ray Liotta yeah, would pop true. up in his films, and Jason Statham, when he was at the peak of his career, yeah. popped up in his films. It's strange. But yeah, no, I was hoping that you'd bring that. There was a huge cycle. Yeah. What, what would be your favourite sort of video game to movie kind of adaptation? Far out. That's a great question because I'm not a fan of many. Yeah, I know. It's not a really. It's it's not a yeah, not a beloved sort of field yeah. of adaptation. Can you, can you ring some off the top of your head? Like okay. That might um, my Tomb Raider, Resident Evil, Doom, Silent Hill. Silent Hill's good. Silent Hill was good. Yep. Deviated considerably Big from. Time. But that's the. the but I'm not. These a, I'm not a game player either. Right. You didn't like Doom with Carl Urban and and The Rock. No. I didn't mind that. Not, not much. I think a lot of people spoke shit about it. And I watched it two years later. And I was like, you know, for what it was, it wasn't bad. Except when it broke into that really cheesy first-person shooting part where it was yeah. just like, oh. But I do think overall Resident Evil holds up. I think that's right. possibly my favorite yeah. just because I think it's got longevity. I think yeah. it's sort of, you know, yeah. it holds up for the most part. You have a, a random lame installment here and there, but I think the good ones really hold it up high. I tapped out at I think the last one I saw was the Russell Mulcahy one that was set in Vegas. That was my favourite one. That was the third or the fourth, third. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen any since. That was my favourite one. Well, maybe um, I have. And I think they maintain stamina for another two or three. Right, right, right. Actually, pretty much all the way, and then the recent one they did like eight years later or whatever. It was like a 3D one or something, yeah, wasn't it? that's yeah. where it kind of tanked for me. Yeah, it, it, it is an odd sort of thing, and look, to be honest, the only two that really I, I dig are Double Dragon and Mortal Kombat, both yeah. based off fighting games. I mean, I wish they'd done another Street... Well, they did. They did another Street Fighter. It was like um, The Legend of Chun-Li or something. But and, that was standalone. You know, yeah, it was standalone, yeah. exactly. And they and they did all these anime, you know, versions of the Street Fighter video game yep. um, into film. But, yeah, I don't know. I just... Street Fighters didn't sort of work for something me. I think I've there was a lot of promise. Something I've never put much thought into is all the video game adaptations you know because it's, yeah, not countless. My, it's not my world you know so I don't really think about it but there's got to be others other than oh, Resident there. Evil that really tickle me but well I mean um, Assassin's probably... Creed was one of the most interesting ones recently I haven't seen I've never played the games yeah. but it's like Michael Fassbender who's in like in a period of his career where he's like on the up and he goes and does that I mean everyone wants a pay- paycheck but yeah, um, I don't think anyone enjoyed that movie no uh, Warcraft you know what? I've never played Warcraft, but I did go see the movie. movie. I thought it was all right. I, I enjoyed it. It was a very, very good foundation movie. Like yeah. it was a launching pad for potentially all these multi stories. Totally. You yeah, know, I, I'm could, with you. Could have been a great. Didn't take itself too seriously either, yeah. which I was really concerned with because I know the people that play the video game are very devout because it's very yeah. community based and they're in it. And I was worried this film's going to take us too much. It's going to be like a B version of Lord of the Rings. But I went in and it was kind of funny and it just entertaining enough. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed it. But Anything with a pre-existing yeah. fan base is going to run into that wall. You know, yeah. it's going to be just maligned and criticised. 
Any any video games that you've loved that you would have liked to have seen transformed into a movie? Oh, look, I, I mean, look, it's, it's beyond... a, is it a fate you want to wish upon one of your favorite video games? You know, really. I tell you what, there is there is one or two I'd like to see. Let's think. Um, sounds weird, but mm. I'd love to see Mario Kart adapted into a film. Okay, yeah, well, it could happen. And, I mean, like I've seen Angry Birds, and I like that, dude. The way I think of it, too. Remember the movie last year, Tag. Yes, I did enjoy that. And that's yeah. a chase movie. Yeah. Can yeah. you imagine that if they were in like carts? Are we talking live action or is it CGI? Live action. Live action. This is so bizarre. Okay. No, yeah. I'm live with action, but I mean, obviously you'd need a lot of CGI augmentation there. Ah, understandably, yeah. But yeah. can you imagine like this just it's an unabashed adaptation of the game where it knows exactly what it is. So you've got humans, live action, right. driving these things, and suddenly each sort of Act of the film is a different scenario. So you've got the jungle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I don't know. It, it lends would, itself to some good locations. It, it doesn't need a story. Yeah. It just needs gags. <laughs> okay. It just needs gags. I'm so with you. It's I'm essentially, with you. I mean, the game is a gag game. Like you've got bananas, you've got totally. fucking all these things. Your arsenal of yeah. unusual if weapon. If you executed it carefully, it would actually play out like Speed Racer. I still haven't watched it. Oh, you'd love Speed I've Racer. I've seen the animated series, but I never no, saw no, the, the Wachowskis. It's fantastic. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. Really? Yeah. That's the kind of live action I mean. Right, okay, yeah, no, yeah. I'm curious. Like, I, I would definitely be up for it. I'm a massive fan of the Super Mario Kart games. I've, I've bought every Nintendo console that has ever been released. Like, I mean, home console, not like the portable gaming consoles. Yeah. Although I've bought a few of those. Yeah. And pretty much the strength of buying every one of those consoles is because Mario Kart's being released on it. Yeah. I have bought the console for it. Like, I've even got sure. the Switch, the newest console. So, uh, you know, you've got me day one yeah. at the cinema to go watch this movie. I'm calling in sick and going to see the 10.30am yeah. session on the Thursday it starts. Oh, maybe I'll just make that my feature film debut when I direct something. Oh, well, I'm with you, man. <laughs> if you need a creative... You, know, <laughs> you need that, someone to consult on it because I've played the games. That reminded know, me, a, um, a massive guilty pleasure mm-hmm. would be Rampage. Oh, no, I did. Oh, yeah. That's another one I actually really enjoyed recently. Yeah. I mean, look, the game... I don't even game. know how you can make a movie out of that game. Yeah. Like it's it's such a basic concept. Like it's it's a single screen and all you're doing is scaling buildings as a creature and bashing the living shit out of them. And I think the critics of that one just really didn't embrace it from the get go. Mm. I mean, because it's a dumb movie. It's dumb it's, and it's fun. It's shallow. Yeah, but it's fun. It's, it's a lot very of fun. fun. Yeah. And you know, and, and even just humanizing like George and things like that. Yeah. They did some cool stuff with it for what it was. It was a better film than it deserved to be. Totally. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. God, there was a lot of sexual innuendo in that movie too, which was weird. But yeah, you know, I, I dug it too. But here's a couple. Like, if I were to say. Some films that, you know, I think people would be like, oh, you know, they should definitely make a Legend of Zelda movie. And yeah, totally. I'm like, well, fuck it. There's a lot of those games. Yeah. You can live through the games. I want to see a Mega Man movie. That would be awesome. Live <laughs> yeah. action Mega Man movie. A Metroid movie. I've loved the Metro- you know, Metroid yeah. games. Um, and um, Kid Icarus. You know, yeah. like I love that game on the NES and I'm still waiting for them to do like a proper version on another NES console, not just a character in Body Smash T-Rock? Brothers. Yeah, Digger. That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be great. I mean, look, if they've done it with Angry Birds, any of these films can be made. And that said, I did enjoy the Angry Birds movie and I'm looking forward to the sequel. I will not watch a trailer because all the best bits will be in it and I'm happy to wait and pay good money to watch them <laughs> on about, the big screen. What about Pong? Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That movie. Did they ever do a Pac-Man movie? I'm talking classic I know, they, I, know I only know that, yeah, they did the animated series and stuff like that. But no, I don't think there's been a movie, an animated feature movie. How about movie. Pixels? Of course, Pixels. I actually really enjoyed Pixels too. I thought it was a hell of a lot of fun. That was probably one of the last... Big Adam Sandler theatrical release. I mean, it was an ensemble kind of cast, but it was probably one of the yep. bigger last films that he did. Yeah, I really enjoyed that, and I think that film's going to be like one of those cult kind of movies. Yeah, I'll return to that. A lot that of people one. really enjoyed it. Yeah, it copped a lot of shit. Um, I mean, another big one that's just on the cards about to happen: Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh that's gosh, gonna, that was going to be released in 2019, but it's been pushed to 2020 because uh, the public, the public, were, yeah, the public were outraged that Sonic didn't look like Sonic from the video game, so they're going back and retweaking it, and they're releasing it on Valentine's Day 2020. In fairness, it was a massive oversight. Yeah, look, I didn't care too much. I don't know why. I think because I, 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 I watched the trailer mm. thinking oh, this is going to be shit, and then I watched it and I was like, this does. Definitely look kind of like shit, but it's like the oddest piece of shit I've ever seen. Yeah. Like this is the kind of piece of shit you'd see on a sidewalk, take a photo of, and, and send it to the, a loved one, and go, "That's fucking weird." What do you think? You get the impression too that they're not letting on everything they got. Like no, yeah, they're holding uh, back very, very much yeah. because you only get that snippet of Jim Carrey in character at the in end. In character, yeah, totally. And it's like that's interesting. There's yeah. going to be more of that. So how does that play into it? Man, they must have paid that guy some considerable cash because I mean he's so invested in his art and the things he wants, projects he wants to be involved in, yeah. and things. 
I, I don't know what brought he's him back to cat. want to do it. He's such a weird cat. He's such a cool cat. And he's in his major comeback being that TV show Kidding. Yeah, I still haven't watched that yet. Phenomenally yeah. good. Got to do it. And then suddenly Sonic the Hedgehog. I know, odd, isn't it? Like, because that was your opportunity to. Well, you know. and and he had prefaced his new trajectory on that. Jerry Seinfeld riding in cars with comedians. Right, right. And he had said, like, you know, I'm not doing that stuff anymore. This is my new thing. Like, I'm, you know... Yeah, of course, that's right. Selective. Yeah, and, and know, he was doing his, you know, his weird... Uh, new age and know, all that stuff. as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and life. you couldn't tell if he was joking half the time, whether he was well, serious. It's almost... You feel like he's doing a Joaquin Phoenix. Like, it's yeah. like, you know, he's talking about how reality isn't reality. We're not us. Of course, because he's doing yeah. that stuff on, like, red carpets. Yeah, Getting right. Getting asked a question and yeah. he just turns into this existential conversation. Yeah. And he'll say, well... Was that even a question? Because what is this? And, yeah, I know. And Just turn it on yeah, its head. So he's following that, and then, you know, suddenly he pops up in Sonic the Hedgehog. It's just warning but alarms go off. It's he, he's, got, he's definitely having the last laugh. There's no doubt about it. Um, I, look, I love him, though. Oh, I've got all the time in the world for him. I've got all the time in the world for him. I'll watch him in anything. How good was that you know? documentary with um, the Andy Kaufman Man I on the Moon one? It. I feel oh, terrible. Like I, said, I know I've been dying to watch that too, and I haven't watched that either. Yeah, that I probably rewatched something crap a million times. One of times. the great documentaries in the last five. Got to do it. Yeah. yeah. Did it? Did you feel instantly compelled to want to go back and watch Men on the Moon? The movie? Well, Man on the Moon. Actually, we should do that one day on a podcast. That'd because be interesting. That's yeah. a film that I have seen at least twenty times. Like right, when that wow. came out on VHS, then DVD. I flogged it, man. Yeah, I yeah. know that film back to back. I could, you know, recite it. If you started wow. playing it, I could probably mouth it along. Yeah, and to get this insight into how he got into this character, mm. incredible. Yeah, I've got to do it. I've got to yeah. do it. Oh, well, I'll, I'll definitely come back to that. Um, other adaptations that happened around that era, like, no, they weren't all cinematic. There was a lot of cartoons happening. I think cartoons were the first to adopt these video game adaptations sort of stuff. You did have a Mario Brothers mm-hmm. cartoon. You actually had two variations. There's a live Mario action one, show. too. Well, yeah, it started off. It was like kind of wraparound. It'd be live action with, with them. From and they would cut. Was she in it, too? Yeah, she? She and then the they would cut girl. to the cartoon yeah. and cut back to the live action. And the song went a little bit like, you know, okay, it's time to go to the Mario. Take one step and back again. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Oh, no, that was um, pretty good. So there was that, and there was Captain <laughs> N, and the uh, was it Captain N, the Game Master, which was like... On, the Game Master? The Game, Game oh, Master. Okay. No, no. <laughs> different game? That's a different one, different oh, one. Um, okay. This one was like a, pretty much felt like a Nintendo Commission series. I mean, obviously they licensed the characters from Nintendo games, but it had like Simon Belmont from Castlevania, um, had Kitakaris, it had like Metroid, um, I think it was Mother Brain, she was one of the villains in it. Um, King Hippo from Punch-Out. It was a really weird ensemble of strange, strange sort of Nintendo characters in an animated series. Um, so that sort of stuff was happening pre this move to live action. So, you know, I, I all for digression, you know, and we will get back to Double Dragon <laughs> at some point in time. Yeah. But growing up as a kid, what were you? Were like a Nintendo, a Sega, or a PC kid? Like, uh, Well, originally, um, I kind of got onto video games just because all the other kids were. Right, right. Uh, so I was very much originally into the Commodore 64. Okay, yeah, old school. Uh, and yeah. then Atari. I had like an Atari, and I love those, but they were very simple games that you, you didn't fanboy over. They were True. just sort of you know, platform games. That yeah, didn't I had an Intellivision, which was yeah. similar. It was very yeah, yeah. basic sort of graphics. But I guess the first console I really invested in emotionally with was yep. the original NES. Oh, the NES, right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, but that was driven by movies like The Wizard. Oh, of course, yep, yep, um, the Fred Savage classic. Yeah, and everyone at school was in on it. It was cool because the, yeah. the power glove, you had all these accessories that the go zapper, with it. The yeah. zapper, for the, They had all the robot thing, Rob. Yes, right. You know, I never I got I that. I don't know anyone that actually ever had Rob. So I had a power glove. There's a shit. very brief time, pre-teens, maybe even 13, 14, where I was very much invested in it. I even have video footage of me unwrapping Christmas presents and getting uh, Simpsons... Aliens Attack, what uh, it was Bart called? versus the Space Mutants. Yeah, that one. How do I know that? And Double Dragon 3. <laughs> Double um, Dragon 3, classic. Yeah, yeah, which they were the two that I played. Double Dragon 3 is a really hard game I to get on the, ne- well, the it's level one. A difficult right. game, but it's also very hard to get on S2. So if you still own that, I do. you can get very good coin yeah. for it. So if you're ever looking to sell it, you probably get somewhere upward of 100 to almost $200. Fantastic. Worth, yeah. Well, anyway. I'm not looking to that. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then like Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Oh, I love that game. Yeah, that Did you know they reissued it later yeah. and they dropped the Mike Tyson. It was just called Punch-Out and they yeah. took out all the Mike Tyson elements because of those allegations yeah, right, right. in the 90s. Not that we ever dwell on these things on these podcasts. <laughs> but um, That was yeah, that was pretty much the, the beginning and the end for me with consoles. I did go forward with the um, 64 only for Mario Kart's sake. Yeah, of course. But never really played many games on 64. Right, right, Went right. Went to GameCube because of Mario Kart. 
Wow, you went GameCube too. Yeah. yeah. Just because of Mario Kart. Same, likewise. Yeah. yeah, I came back from the States and everyone was into PlayStation where I was like, fuck that, I'm going and then GameCube. The only reason I got mm. excited about the Wii was because it could play Mario Kart from the GameCube. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? So uh, I was like, yeah, because that, that backward compatibility. So, yeah, now yeah. we don't need that clunky thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You rest of the family can play your Wii sports. I'm just gonna stick that micro disc in there. And then have a crack <laughs> play at that. that game. Yeah, yeah oh, but I no, it. I I'm, I can't say I'm a gamer. What about in the arcade? Did you used to play any video games in the arcade back in the day? <laughs> Double Dragon 3. Double Dragon 3, of course. And that was... Do you remember ages ago on a podcast I told you about um, almost my first job was a video store painting the shelves so I could get free hires? Yeah, yeah. That same video store had Double Dragon 3. Wow. Arcade. It was the only arcade game they had in this one. Right, right, right. So I used to play that and I remember getting really pissed off because I was in the middle of a crucial point. Yep. Uh, and you know the, the celebrity Frankie J. Holden? Yeah, 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 yeah. He waltzes in. Bumps into me and I lose my, like I die from <sighs> him interacting with me. Uh, unforgivable. Yeah, so that's my memory of Frankie J. Holden. Unforgivable. I know. Oh, wow. There you go. Jesus. <laughs> you should probably put that on Twitter. You could probably start a hashtag movement out of that. <laughs> like um, Frankie. My favorite arcade game was probably Capcom's Final Fight. Not that far different from Double Dragon 3. Side-scrolling beat-em-up. Bloody loved it. It was one of my favorites. Um, I owned a bunch of consoles growing up. Like I yeah. was always a Nintendo loyalist, but um, I did have the odd Sega console along along the track. Ooh, 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 can I just interject there? Yeah, of course. Speaking of Sega, I had a Sega Game Gear. Oh, yeah, the portable console. Yes, which yeah. was cool because it was a TV as well. Yeah, because it had like a um, attachment. Thing, attachment, yeah. you could watch TV with an aerial on and watch. And I used to yeah. watch that. But I used to play um, Mickey's House oh. of Illusions. Yes, yes, yes. And Wonder Boy on that thing. Oh, Wonder Boy is classic. And yeah. Columns. And Columns is a classic. I have all of those games and the Game Gear at home now and it still works. Holy shit, that's incredible. Yeah, I didn't know many people. There was only one friend whose older brother had a Game Gear and we were never allowed to play Everyone it. had a Game Boy. Yeah. And yeah, I had a Game Boy. at that yeah. time, it was Game still Boy was black and cheaper, white, I think, than the Game Gear. it was still black and white, right? It totally was. It so was then, Dot Matrix graphics. Yeah, yeah, so then for me, I was like the cool kid because I came to school with yeah. this Game Gear and then... Later on, I bought the TV adapter, and I was like, Damn. "Back then, man, I got TV in my bag." That's insane. Yeah, that's really cool, man. You did, you did pretty well, dude. You did pretty well. But you know, for me, like even having had a video store that had games in it and all that, my mind instantly when I think video games and video stores was always Sega because oh, yeah. the they trailers that, always had they the Sega the ad at the start of um, yeah. videos that you would rent. And they had rent, a Sega you know? section, but they never really had. This was it? Early Have you days. played every video game ever made? <laughs> Yeah, but they never had a, they never had Nintendo section until later. It was a later thing. Yeah, was when that yeah. came along. It's sort of weird, yeah, because the video stores didn't sort of sort of strange. They were kind of like adopted the gaming thing, but yeah, the Sega one was really pushed into stores. I think because they had some sort of tie with one of the major distributors at the time. Might have been like be. Sony or Columbia or someone had like to, be. to get them in there. Yeah, and it was a later sort of thing getting the Nintendo. You know, I don't know if you can memorize it, but mm. in my DVD setup where I keep everything, I've got like a little black shelf that I put all my Blu-rays on. Yep, it's got yep. a light box on top right it's right, a right. seagull light box i know yeah how it long was, has that been that, that shelf is about 30 years old wow and it was made for sega um video store sega section Dude. someone pulled the sega decal off it ah. but i just kept the kept the shelf and the light Shit. box is still in there so. that'd probably be worth serious cash dude you're just sitting on like a, yeah. um, a you know a ton of money at your house right now yeah um Jeez. for everyone glenn's address is as follows no i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah. um i little side story i actually work for nintendo for oh, about wow. two years back You're about in the day. fourth yeah. person I've known that's worked for Oh, well, there you go. Wow. Weirdly enough, yeah, I know I worked there. It actually started off as a bit of a joke because um, my old man used to play video games as well. Like yeah. when I got the NES for Christmas in um, 1990, uh, you know, he got into it as well. I was loving Mario, loving yeah. Metroid, getting into the games. Uh, so, you know, he followed it through with SNES and right up into the N64. And my mum had cut out like an advertisement in the paper, which was like for a games demonstrator for Nintendo and then left it out for my dad as a joke, but I saw it and I was like, well, I, I had sort of like, I hadn't been playing games quite as much at that point in time. Mm. I, you know, I was I'd becoming a teenager. It was really interested in music and stuff like that. Um, but I saw it and I was in my first year of uni and I was like, well, that sounds like a pretty easy and fun job. And went for it, got it, was getting paid like 13 an hour to demonstrate games, getting about 20 hours a week, you know, work, mm. um, which was perfect because it fitted in with uni really well. Plus most of the time you'd be like, prominently even in the city that you'd set up and you'd be doing like seven eight hour shifts just helping like people showing them how to play the game not doing any selling all you're doing was demonstrating the game showing them how to play it and they generally have one other person on with you so you just end up hanging out with the other dude yeah. and it was just uh, it was like pretty cool, cool man. Yeah. the uncool thing about it was when the hours started drying up because the n64 was like pretty established they didn't really need to push it much was that um they would do like 
things in shopping centers that would have like the mascots from different things like Crash Bandicoot from Sony would be there and um, the real Dorothy the dinosaur from the Wiggles because they wouldn't they would only have one suit and they had one girl that did it and she's right. the one that did it in the TV show and the in the yep. live stuff so they had one Dorothy and so she would be there and then of course they had this ratty old bloody Mario costume and this guy was the only guy that could seemingly fit in it because uh, I was very lanky and um, you know tall enough back in the day and so then I would get stuck in that suit getting paid 13 15 hours sweating balls in it and getting hugged by children pushed by teenagers um, and you know generally the way they work these things with the professionals the professional mascots they would do the thing and they'd get like breaks every 15 minutes or so and they like take the head off because it gets yeah. hot in there. You have a drink of water, yep. you sit down, then you get back out again. Well, Nintendo really weren't up for doing that. So I just be, end up doing it for like an hour and then you go out and get to sit down for 10 minutes, have a drink of water, put the dirty costume on that stank of other people's sweat. Um, and you go and do that for like four hours and I was getting paid like thirteen fifty, you know, and that, that wasn't cash in hand. That was all taxed. And then you'd sit down next to um, Crash Bandicoot who was like, you know, some guy that had been hired to wear the suit for the day or whatever. And he's getting paid fifty dollars an hour. Yeah, he's got and a fan in there. Yeah, I know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's got like a modern suit, like yeah. it's a proper suit. And I'm like, oh man, see so you, what you're getting paid fifty an hour. I'm like, how much are you getting paid? And I said like thirteen fifty an hour. And he's like, oh. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, oh, don't feel too bad. Like you know, I don't know how much Dorothy's on, but um, <laughs> needless to say, she's on you know at least double of what I'm earning an hour. And I'm yeah. like, oh my god. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then. So that, that wasn't that wasn't great, but then I remember going into the office and calling me into the office and I thought, oh, look, you know, it's all over. It's all over. The hours are gone. This is the end. Um, but no, they, they called me and take my measurements for the Pokemon suit. It was for the <laughs> Pikachu suit because Pokemon was just about to break in Australia. Yeah. It, it slowly had been yeah. breaking and they were fitting me out for the Pikachu costume and I quit like a week or two later before that suit had turned, come back. Wow. You know, mate, I was like, no fucking way am I doing this anymore. This is not what I, I didn't sign up for this. Um, so I'm not doing it. And that was, that was the end of my tenure at Nintendo. But it was a beautiful, beautiful time. Wow. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. A lot of, a lot of great memories. We are Nintendo. We cannot be beaten. Are you? Viewloring is the place to stream cult movies for free. Like I'm talking mutated sharks, megastorms, exploitation, low-budget indies, and shit tons of other stuff. Viewlorian boasts a huge selection of the good, the bad, and the weird in between. Fakeship.net uses their service. Mm-hmm. Guilty as charged. Be rad like them. Viewlorium. Alternative streaming. Visit viewlorium.com. Like, right now. Did you know that Sega video games are available for rental from your local video store? Did you know that Sega Master Systems are also available for rental? Did you know that Sega leads the world in the development of new and exciting video games? Did you know that Sega games feature the sharp, clear video images, vibrant colours and realistic sound you've been craving? Did you know that Sega games have challenges for players from beginners through to masters? Did you know? that Sega has a range of titles including the well-known hits Afterburner and Double Dragon. Did you know that fantasy space games, fast action games and realistic sports simulations are all in the rapidly expanding Sega range? Did you know that each month up to 10 hot new Sega releases will be available for rental? Sega, all kinds of games, all kinds of fun. Sega, let the games begin. I went to high school with a guy that was the number one Nintendo player in the world. Oh, they did wow. Not the world, in Australia. I remember them doing that stuff in the early yeah. 90s at Myers. They would yeah, have yeah. like the big competitions so this, and this that. this kid went around Australia. He got ranked number one. Wow. And Nintendo offered him a job as a game tester. So oh. it was then his job once he finished high school. Yeah, yeah. Because he was in year 12 at that time. I was in year 11. His job was then to just play new games and give wow. opinion. That's insane. Incredible. I think he's still with Nintendo, but quite high up. Ah, oh, man, that's incredible. Because, yeah, because that's a weird thing. I, this was all in Queensland. Yep. So, you know, I assume they had similar sort of outfits in other parts of Australia. Um, but my boss at the time, my my major boss, you know, head of Nintendo Queensland, um, I won't mention her name, but many, many, many years later, um, I went to the launch of a Nintendo console at Nintendo's head office at Scoresby in Victoria. Um, I can't remember. It must have been the Wii, I think. And it was through JB because I was yeah. working there at the time. And um, 
the head of Nintendo Australia was my old, you know, head of yeah. Nintendo Queensland at the time. And I've got some great stories, not about her, but her criminal son um, <laughs> selling um, stolen laptops. I bought one, didn't know it was stolen. But anyway, I've just told the story. But yeah. I've never said any names. Yeah, it's, that's true. Anyway, um, but yeah, so she was still with the company at that point. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah. Um, I'm sure you can just Google this information. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so that was a surprise seeing her. And now she'd moved into this other role, you yeah. know, this major one. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think we actually spoke. So we didn't really get a moment. But there was some pretty cool stuff when you go to the Nintendo Health Office because they had other, like consoles that... Never launched in Australia, yep. but they developed and released in other territories, like the Virtual Boy, which was like this whole helmet thing you put on, and you only saw that I think it was like red and black, and um, sort of like early sort of virtual reality, but on a home market level. But the, um, it was not portable, even though it was a Virtual Boy, it had to be plugged yeah. in and whatever. Imagine but stuff Nintendo like that in Japan, like like yeah. what their head offices would be like, and all the oh, it'd be insane, insane. But anyway. Man. Mass digression, so, but I'm um, getting back to Double Dragon. <laughs> what? Um, no, Double Dragon. Okay. Double yeah. Dragon. Yeah, I thought we were just talking about Nintendo. Yeah. Double Dragon. Um, funnily enough, the how this film kind of got off the ground was that the producer Don Murphy was playing Double Dragon three in an arcade. Boom. So there you go. Okay. He was playing the game and he thought to himself, "Look, you know, two brothers, you know, fighting alongside one another." Great title, Double Dragon. This would make a super movie, and so Just the pants, you know, in fashion. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, like, oh, you know, they're going to be one's going to be dressed in like a blue, <laughs> and the other one's going to be in red, and um, yeah, Billy and Jimmy Lee. That's, one's Asian, you know, and the other one's and American. Not, and we're not even going to explain that. No. We're going to try in the movie, maybe. Who knows? Um, but anyway, yeah, he he basically thought that's a fantastic idea, and he approached Trade West, who were the U.S. Um, distributor of the game, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, and they went to, you know, the developers of the game, Technos, in Japan. And somehow we managed to convince both parties that doing a film was a good idea. So they licensed it off. And he got Imperial Entertainment involved, who at that point had been doing lo- a lot of martial arts type movies and whatnot. Um, but, you know, they were only really a production outfit. But they did a deal with Universal to get the film, you know, to get the final financing and to get like a sort of screen strategy of how they would get it out cinemas and everything that universal deals never really been disclosed but imperial entertainment had jean-claude van damme signed to like a 10 film contract but they'd got him signed to that deal before he was really anything yeah and so they had agreed to give universal one of those slots and so <sighs> so universal would get him to do sudden death at the time i think it was they yep. signed him on to do that um, and then Universal took care of getting the screens for Double Dragon as well as took out whatever amount for, you know, um, publicity and advertising for the film. Um, so that's sort of how Double Dragon kind of got off the ground. But then I believe it kind of got stuck in the writing stage that had two writers on board of the film. Paul Denny, who was responsible for a hefty amount of the 90s Batman animated series, which yep. is undoubtedly the best incarnation of Batman. I think <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, and Neil Strusman, Shusterman, I think his name was, and he did a lot of live-action kids shows in the 90s, like um, Goosebumps and um, Animorphs, but now he's like a best-selling youth adult um, writer. Yeah, right. You know, best-selling, yep. like, written a ton of books. The name is familiar. But they're the, they're the guys that came on board initially. They wrote the story and they wrote the first few drafts of the script and then eventually they'd got... It just wasn't going anywhere. And then they brought in two other writers, Michael Davis and Peter Gould, and they're the guys who actually got the film to a point where they had a shooting script that could mm. be made. And they, they're really sort of... They didn't fight the previous writers in terms of giving them the story by credit because apparently in the writing world, when you make a film, you know you might have the story by who was the yeah, principal totally. screenwriter and then someone else is taking care of yep. actually getting the script to screen. And they will fight over who gets what credits. And it all comes down to you know royalties at the end. Mm-hmm. Who's going to get the amount of money down the track as, as these things go on. But these two guys kind of came in and graciously said, no, they can keep the story credit. We're just going to work on the script, whatnot, and get it to a stage. They knew the film wouldn't do any well. Well, I mean, anywhere. and they were both really sort of young, aspiring writers. I mean, Michael Davis, he at that point, this is he actually went on to write and direct that film, Shoot 'Em Up, with Clive Owen that was released yeah, in right. the mid 2000s. Wow. But yeah. prior to that, cool he film. had been writing a ton of movies for Charlie Band. There you go. But the Charlie Band stuff he was writing with the kids' films, like that pre hysteria, and I think. Well, um, it's not a far leap from this one. <laughs> he'd done three of them. so But yeah, he'd done sort of films like that. Ghost Town. Um, yeah, he didn't do Ghost Town, but he did. I think he did Jack and the Beanstalk or Jack and the Giant Bean. I can't remember what that one was. Um, but the other guy, this is the guy that matters. Not, not. Look, I'm not discrediting Michael Davis. Don't, don't. <laughs> I didn't mean to insult him. But Peter Gould, 
right? He not only wrote episodes for Breaking Bad, but he was the co-creator of Better Call Saul. Ah, well, that, uh, he does matter. So then. that is a massive, massive thing. Um, and when you see the two guys interviewed on any of the special feature stuff out there, um, they're, they're, they're great because they've got, they've got such a really good chemistry on screen and having a laugh about things and, you know, talking candidly about it. Um, and, you know, they're both, I mean, well, Peter Gould's a tremendous talent. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Michael Davis done some cool things. Um, but, yeah, they don't mind sort of, you know, picking up on their own errors, but also identifying what part of the writing was not necessarily the writing of the writers, but the director and yeah. them shooting the film. And there's even an in-joke in the film, right? There's an in-joke because they had this whole thing where they wanted to explain, or they had to explain in some way, why Robert Patrick was playing, you know, this um, character of Asian heritage. Yep. Um, Cougar, what's his name? Cougar Shuko. Shuko, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Koga um, Shuko. And so they hadn't written it. They, they said what we should do is do this part where, you know, um, his character's like um, surname's Geis or, um, or Geisman because you know, Geist is German for ghost. And so, like, he's like the ghost. Anyway, and then he adopts this name sort of thing, whatever. <laughs> and he was laughed at, you know, they were laughed out about it. And then the filmmakers did put this line in when he walks in and um, addresses the fact. He's like, you know, I think someone says to him, um, you know, Geistman. And he goes, oh, not anymore, you know, um, not Victor Geistman. I'm, you know, Cougar, Cougar Shuko. Yeah. Um, nobody wants to party with Victor Geistman. Or something like that. And so it. They, they threw it in as like an insult to the writers. Ah. And so then the writer's story, they're like, why did you waste all the time on this gag that means nothing to anyone outside of the production? Yeah. There's really just a uh, funny insult. Enjoy. But yeah. Man. But I, I've always liked that scene. It's like, I don't bad. know, because it's weird. It's kind of, it's just a bit of fun. They should have given him like a Beverly Hills Ninja backstory where he's like, some white guy that's been adopted, found yeah, in a basket yeah. by a river. Oh, yeah, like a lone, uh, not lonely guy, the jerk. He's yeah. like the jerk sort of thing. Um, but yeah, Better Call Saul. I just wanted to touch on Better Call Saul because there's nothing better than digressing and talking about Bob Odenkirk. Boom! Bob Odenkirk, Bob one of my all-time favourite comic actors and um, what an astonishing talent. Did you ever watch uh, Mr. Show in the 90s? Oh, of course I did. Mr. Show, HBO Classics. Is that with series. David Cross? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Led into yeah. the incredible spin-off. The movie Run Ronnie Run. Yes, which I oh think everybody God. needs to see. Oh. Now, I have not watched that in a long time. I know. I remember how funny it was. I've got to watch it again. Like I, I did watch it. I remember when I first saw it, um, because I was a massive fan of Mr. Show, and I'd watched a bootleg of it. I think mm. Stumpy Andrew Leibold had a bootleg of of the movie, and I was like, this was maybe a year ahead of the film coming out on video or DVD. Um, and just watching it and falling. I've always been a massive fan of David Cross as well. But in terms of talent, I think, you know, Bob Odenkirk's just, he's an exceptional um, talent. Like, cause he's a very he funny writer, performer. And if anything, Better Call Saul's proven that he's an incredible dramatic actor. Bloody Oath, even uh, Fargo? Oh, Fargo, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, the TV series. He was I had, like, I'd that. seen Fargo before I watched um, Breaking Bad. Right. And so, yeah. like, that was my sort of intro. In, I mean, I knew him already. Yeah, yeah. That was my intro into him as a dramatic actor. Right, yeah, And I yeah. thought he was just so good. Nailed it. Um, He was in Wayne's World. Is it two or one? Maybe two, because I feel like I've watched one You know one the two nerds go, um, Wayne's World, Wayne's World. We're your biggest fans. Oh, I can't remember now. It's yeah. been a long time since yeah, I've watched yeah. either, but I feel like I didn't only watch Wayne's World a few years ago. Yeah, remember the backstage yeah. and these two fans, you know. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, must be number two. Because then they put yeah. on the massive rock show in the desert in number two? Yeah. Uh, is that because they're trying to get the loan to put on that yeah, rock yeah, show? Yeah, might right. be number yeah, two, number which two. I haven't seen as many times, yeah. but is a really good sequel. Yes. Great sequel. I think it's an incredible sequel. Yeah, yeah. Even, even though Penelope's yeah. Sphere has got shafted mm. after mm. that one. Same. Anyway. Shame. But yes, no. Bob Ogook. Yeah, so uh, and then the director behind this film is um, James Yukich. He's the director behind Double Dragon, but you may know him from his prior work. Similar to a director we've covered on a another episode of Rad is um, is the director of Mystery Men. This director also only ever directed one feature. Oh wow! But he wasn't. A, this guy wasn't a you know popular commercial director. He was a popular music video director. So you might know him for having directed videos like. David Bowie's Modern Love, yep. Iron Maiden's Aces High, Phil Collins, he comes up again with One More Night, Go West's The King of Wishful Thinking, the list goes on. But yeah, this was his one and only feature film. And there's not a lot of info or interviews with it him talking about it. So he doesn't participate in any of the special features on any of the Blu-ray releases. This was an releases. era where you were, they were plucking music video directors out to yeah. make feature films. And it was a very 
big gamble. Like it was hit yeah. and miss. You had those like Russell Mulcahy that came along yeah. and just sort of nailed yeah. it. That could transition. Yep. Yeah. But then you got some that the transition was very, very harsh. Like it yeah. was, you know, you're it lucky if you had a sense. career to go you, back. You watch Double Dragon and it's a music video. Yeah, well, undoubtedly. It's yeah. colourful. So he's got it's that. Fast, he knows how to put colours on the screen. Yeah. He knows what to do with the camera, yeah. but he doesn't know how to tell a story. No. I mean, it is such a convoluted sort of plot. Like, it is. It's just, there's <laughs> it's, way too it's much. A it, but hot for a video game, mess. it had a very simple premise. Like, I don't know if, if the listeners have ever played Double Dragon, but let's just go back to the very first incarnation of Double Dragon. It's two brothers. One of their girlfriends is kidnapped, and the two brothers have to go and rescue her. Yep. It's, a, it's a simple, timeless type of tale. That's exactly what it could have been. It was an era that this film came out where it wasn't like, oh, no, we need to have strong female characters. Although they do. They've got Alyssa Milano in the movie. And it's well, a very there's strong, a bit of a character, but, um, few things to say about that. About her in this film. This yeah. was, for, well, for her, this was like a... A real kind of like first Hollywood, yeah. Outside of who's the boss? Has she done? You know, who's the boss at that point too? No, she hadn't. She hadn't done Embrace of the Vampire. That was the following year as well. So she'd basically done who's the boss for like eight years. She'd wrapped that maybe ninety two or so. And so she would have pretty much wrapped that, gone into this, and this was like you know the first kind of signature film to. She was a bit of a badass in this one. I've got to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, but interesting. Like you know, in in today's world, she's yeah. leading this movement of Me Too and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and of yet course. In Double Dragon, she's getting perved on, upskirted. She's, she's being like, objectified. But but a she's heap. she's not objecting to it. Like she's just no. It just is happening around and, her, and she kind of yeah. knows it, but doesn't do yeah. anything about it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, context is everything, but I find that quite amusing. But, it is. Yeah, you know, it's interesting when you look at where she's at now. I mean, the, the other weird thing I know this is this. <laughs> I mean, this is what this podcast is about: digression. Um. Is the haircut on her? How like, unappealing. She wears a wig and not a wig. Like she, yeah. she goes between the two. Yeah, because then she's got the very short bleach blonde hair, like Johnny Lee Miller time. sort of transporting yeah. hair. I know it was because, like, look at Angelina Jolie and Hackers. She yeah. had this Shirley very Manson, short kind of garbage, hair as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very unusual. But anyway, um, other cast, other cast. Scott Wolf. We mentioned that obviously. He's a terrible you know, actor. I love Scott Wolf though. No, no. He's not no, a great actor, he's but a terrible actor. I think he just has an appeal. He just seems like a really lovely guy. He has no appeal. Oh, I don't know. I no, like him. No, we're going to have to agree to like disagree. He's, he has not aged. He's 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 forever, you know, young. No, yeah. he's just I like him. He's plastic. Oh, like, I maybe love him. if he gone into small, I just wish Smallville he, territory, he I might wish have he'd done know. something like really good. Well, he would have been good wrong. But was that? As Superman in Smallville, he'd been great. Yeah, forever small. Um, but no, I, I've always had a soft spot for him. He came to this film just, you know, the usual way of getting it. He had no prior martial arts experience, you know, prior to doing the oh, film. Oh, damn. You know, strange. I had no idea. Strange. Um, first major role for him because he did this prior to Party of Five. Um, prior to this, he'd only done a handful of TV shows and uncredited spots in things and that. There was a film, actually. He did two, he did two features prior to this. The two features he's done prior to this, I have never heard of. Okay. One was Teenage Bonnie and Klepto Clyde. He oh, played wow. Clyde. That sounds never amazing. heard of it. I know the poster does not look appealing. Okay. But uh, the other one was The Skid Kid in 91. That sounds amazing too. Which he's not even credited Is it on like the poster. Is it like a BMX Bandit type of film? It's, no, I think it's like some sort of like um, race car or race cart sort okay. of film. Maybe it's the precursor for the Mario Kart movie. <laughs> um, but it's got his siblings, Gary and Jessica Wolf, who at some time were. Actors as well. That'd Jessica Wolf's only been in like two things, but they're both credited on the poster. Pack of wolves. Yeah, you know, <laughs> pack of wolves. Better title. Um, yeah. Anyway, odd. I've never heard or or, no. or seen that film. Um, now you know the next actor. Can I throw it to you? Can you oh, can you mate. talk about because this is the guy that you're probably better versed in. Mark Dacascus. Yeah. Okay. Well, he plays Billy's brother, by the way, Jimmy. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I'm Not gonna... slipping, Jimmy. Just Jimmy. Yeah, well, most recently, he's sort of had a bit of a, a renaissance, a resurrection with uh, John Wick 3. A zero. He As, was insane. Yeah, he's Unstoppable. phenomenal in it. So good. Um, prior to that, um, most millennials might recognize him as the MC on American Iron Chef. Yeah, he's been doing it for like 15 yeah. or... He's quite good at it. A long time. You know, I didn't even know. You know, I didn't know that until recently. I had yeah. no idea. I, I looked at And then I had to watch some video on YouTube. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Wow. He, he came to most people's attention through the Crow Stairway to Heaven TV course, show. TV that's series. where he first sort of yep. crossed my radar. I'd seen him before, but that's where I knew his name from. Right, right. Uh, but some movies to his name, uh, American Samurai. He did Crying Freeman. Oh, yeah, the you know, adaptation of the manga. Yeah, yep. that's yep. right. Uh, Kickboxer 5, he took over from Sasha Mitchell. <laughs> oh, really? Did he yes, really? he's the main star in Kickboxer oh, 5. Wow. Matt Reeves. 
Right. Who um, I've written that character into one of my scripts. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah I love yeah. it. Uh, he did the movie Sabotage, which I think was really good. Is that the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger? No. No, okay. No, this is like, it, it came around the same time as Sniper, um, right. but was overshadowed by Sniper, but they're similar kind of films. Right, okay. Uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf, which is yeah, big film. adding a bit of yeah. um, credibility to his you know, Absolutely. resume. Uh, Cradle to the Grave. With, was that Stephen Seagal? Yeah, I thought it was, and and um, one of the um, DMX or something like that, or was it? Or that might be Exit Wounds. Exit Wounds. Anyway, oh, Cradle uh, to yeah. the Grave. Oh, Jet Li? Jet Li was in that one? That was Jet Li, yes. Jet Li, okay. But um, but Dukaskas, I'm pretty sure, was in that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then, sort of when he fell off the, I guess, the grid, yeah. he popped up in that Asylum title, I Am Omega. Oh, of course, that was in the late 90s. Yeah. No, that was oh. just after yeah. um, I Am Legend with Will Smith. Oh, right, okay. So the Asylum, you know, right. the Mockbuster yeah, yeah, crew. Yeah, 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 so yeah. they did I Am Amiga, which right. I Am Legend is kind of like a, a redo of Omega Man. Right. So they called it I Am Omega. Okay, makes sense. Um, so that's just sort of some of the films he's done. He's done a lot of poxy stuff in between. He also uh, played Kung Lao in the TV. Uh, actually, it was done for the internet. Webisode. Um, adaptation of Mortal Kombat. They did Mortal Kombat Legacy, which is like a no, origin. Seen that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've not seen no, it. Either. I do know the one. Ben's a big it. fan. Um, a guy I work with, Ben. He loves it. But yeah, it's like a origin story for all the characters leading up to Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Um, so he was Look. in that. So he's done another video game Dude, <laughs> movie. I love the kind guy. I think he's great. I think he's been underutilized through most of his career. I don't think he's ever had an opportunity to shine. Yeah. And I do think. Kickboxer 5 is probably my favourite of what he's done. Right. But it's a number five. It's never going to be like of you know, something great. It's a direct-to-video sequel to an already flailing kind of franchise. Franchise, of course. You know, but I think that movie in and of itself stands on its own. It's worth a look if you like, you know, cheesy DTV action. Yeah, I've never seen it. I should definitely check yeah. it out. Yeah. It is it a direct out. sequel in that it references the previous ones and, you right. know... He picks up the legacy, yep. but it also stands alone in that that legacy doesn't particularly matter to what he's doing. Okay. Well, no, cool. I'll, I'll definitely have to track that one down at some point. <laughs> Maybe we'll do it on a kickboxer franchise. Oh, Jesus, episode. that would be uh, something. Uh, How many films do they make? Because uh, they're still making them, aren't they? Well, now we've got the new franchise. Yeah, there's been two of them so far, yeah? Yeah, the Renegade one. or something, and then another one's just Retaliation or Retaliation, whatever, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there were five in the original series, now right. the new ones. Okay, so only seven, really. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Another interesting fact, though, Alyssa Milano and Scott Wolf, they met on this film and they had a relationship and of getting engaged and no longer with one another. But oh, Scott wow. Wolf, um, I think they still remain sort of friends okay. about it. But yeah, interesting that Double Dragon was the film that would would set them together. Um, yeah, Robert Patrick. We yes, mentioned him earlier, T one thousand. No, he's oh really? Terrible. I think he's great in this movie. I actually think I appreciate him in this movie more now than I ever did before. I think he's, I think he's kind of charismatic I've and always, charming. I've always had a problem with him though. So right, this okay. is my. He's never my done thing. like a great deal of you know, great the, movies. The only thing I've actually loved him in, like, and actually really loved him mm. in, was um, from Dust of Dawn two. Oh, yes, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not fond of that. The number two was Blood Money, Texas Blood Money, yeah, or was I The Hangman's Daughter? I love that. No, it's Blood Money. Texas Blood Money. It's, yeah, I right. love it. Yeah, right. I love that right. film. It's yeah, you've got Scott Spiegel. Scott Spiegel did it. He's got all the crazy shots and, in it. And before yeah. you know, he became Mr. Monster, mm. Weinstein actually said that was his favourite Dimension sequel. Wow. D- dimension title. Right, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's interesting, yeah. Oh, good old Robert Patrick. Got a lot of time for him. Yeah, I, I, I like him. I think he's kind of cool in this film. I'd party with him. Definitely. Yeah, I, I like him. I mean, I've always had a soft spot for him. I mean, he's never done anything outside of Terminator 2 for me that's been great, but I always liked how he's always there to do a gag. Like, yeah. you know, Wayne's World or um, Last Action Hero. He'll come back and he'll it, do the gag. All self-referential. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. totally. I actually never saw the season of X-Files when he took took over. He was quite good at yeah, that. I'll, I'll give him credit things. there. But, you know... Dave yeah. Duchovny's not exactly big shoes to fill. Now, this came here. No, well, poor old. I've got a soft spot for I him, too. I fucking love him. I oh. really love him in Larry Sanders. I think he's amazing <laughs> when he plays himself. A um, yeah. lot of cameos, dude. A lot okay. of cameos? Well, I'm hoping you bring up one particular person. Is it an actor from Godfather Part 3? No. George Hamilton? No. But <laughs> is it is it Wheel of Fortune US's um, Wanna White? No. No? No, no Wanna White? Um, Michael Berryman. No, but he's in Oh, it. my God. No. <laughs> not be one of those three. Even better than that, dude. Okay, who? Al Leong. Oh, you're no. like what? Who? Al Leung. Well, he played Genghis Khan in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Right. Okay. 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 He was in Die Hard. Yep. Big oh, Trouble okay, in China. Right, yeah. Yeah. Lethal Weapon. Yep. Action Jackson. They Live. 
Jesus. Cage, yep. Dark Angel, Rapid Fire, Showdown Little Tokyo. He was the tokenistic, stereotypical yeah, Asian, Asian guy, guy with the long hair yeah. and that mustache. And the dirty mustache. Absolute fucking legend. Yeah, right. Well, there you go. Oh, well, that's good. So, we've covered a whole lot of cameos <laughs> yeah. there. Well, that's, that's about it for me. Like, with... with this movie, well, like no, the I fact know. that he's in it, <laughs> is the best part. So I, I dare say, if we were to talk favorite scenes, you're going to say the scene, any scenes he's in, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, right. He's that okay. henchman that everyone loves. Yeah, no, no, that's fair enough. I, I will mention my favorite scene, um, which is not really much of a scene, there's but it's no, where um, no good scenes. In this it's film. a weird movie. There's not like a sta- there's no standout scenes, but there are some good moments. And this <laughs> is I will call this more a moment than okay. a scene because it's okay. very short. When Michael Berryman's fighting, you know, yeah. um, Robert Patrick and Robert Patrick's gone into the shadowy sort of form and he's strangling Michael <laughs> Berryman. I quite like that. I also like um, at the end of the film when Jimmy enters Robert Patrick or um, Koga Sugar's body and uh, makes him slap himself, a little bit of slapstick oh, Hilarious, mate. And then, <laughs> and then he's like, wants to, you know, pay the cops, you know, like, you know, make a donation. Then he asks for his check back. Oh, my God, the comedy is uh. legendary. I actually think there's some good lines in this movie, though. I do oh. like, there's some good lines. Oh. Um, yeah, I've got a massive soft spot. I didn't know you had such strong disdain yeah, for I mean, I Double like, Dragon. I like the, uh, the cityscapes at the start that show you the post-apocalyptic right, ruins. Yeah. Do, you like, do you like the, done a hundred times. the smaller actor who's sort of like got the, you know, the... The jack there, and he's kind of pumping the ceiling of the building. So I don't remember. I know it's such a throwaway bit, but it's in the trailer. Um, yeah, and the yeah. writers thought it was such a cheap gag. They actually said that the director, they said it's a reoccurring motif. Got admit, he's had I got up actors in I his made videos, a sandwich while I was videos. watching, and I oh, mean, you must have missed the best bits. I must have. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it was a good sandwich. No, though. I just, I just, if Al, yeah. if Al was on, I was there. Oh, no, that's fair enough. So look. I think it's probably time to wrap up. We don't have much more to say except that... We spent too long on it? <laughs> yeah. Well, we didn't talk about Double Dragon too no, much, we? talked we? about Nintendo for a while. We did, and that was fantastic. <laughs> I had a great conversation about that. If you do want to watch Double Dragon again, you can probably check it out on Amazon again. Prime on YouTube. If you've never seen Double Dragon, you should definitely check it out on Prime or YouTube. If you've seen it and you want to just want to immerse yourself in all the Double Dragon glory that you can, MVD have put out a masterful Blu-ray release. It's got like an... 67 minute documentary on the making of the film with a lot of the key players. The director doesn't talk about it, Melissa Milano doesn't, but everybody else does. There's a <laughs> there's a great little featurette with the producer because the producer, um, Don Murphy, he did like a handful of films. Like, I mean, he did produce, was one of the producers on Natural Born Killers. Mm. These two films he Don did Murphy around the same time. Yeah. Don Murphy's huge. And then he went on to obviously do the Transformers. Was it Don stuff Murphy and, and Jerry Bruckheimer? No, that's Don Simpson. Oh, okay. Don Simpson. No, Don Murphy, that's though. That's true. That's true. But, but um, Jerry Bruckheimer. Um, He's just passed, hasn't he? Yes. No. Yes, he has. Well, no, but Michael Bay directed a lot of those films that they <laughs> yeah, produced. That's right. And Michael Bay also directed Transformers. So we're bringing it in. Oh, bringing we're it bringing in. It in. Um, Transformers. But yeah, he's done a ton of films. He did produce um, Permanent Record with Ben Stiller, which I really like. The film Permanent about the Midnight. writer. Permanent Midnight. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, no, I love that movie. That's a great film. Yeah, really cool film. Really I've underrated. About that on that podcast. Such a great movie. Yeah. Such a great movie. But yeah, so if you're into um, Double Dragon, check out the Blu ray. It's got all those aforementioned features. It's even got the pilot for the animated series and some trailers. It's got some it's got some stuff that says behind the scenes featurette, right? I put on. It's just raw behind the scenes footage. Yeah. And I'm like, this is not a featurette, it has not been cut together. But um here's something I did like about like I mean the material on the Blu-ray is terrific. There's lots of good stuff. The editing of the special features wasn't perfect. Look, that's just I do some of that stuff in my spare time. So, you know, I've got a certain level and um so I pick these things apart. But what I found funny was that they'd used library music from Final Cut. Wow. So and 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 they'd chosen like the library music that goes to say fifty seven seconds and just looped loop it at it, points. Loop it, yeah. And it's the one that you'd use for like a news broadcast sort of intro, so it was like really ill fitting and worst. you just hear it every now and again, like it's not fitting. again. It's fitting, mate, it's fitting. Oh, that's sad. And look, if you, if you I would have loved to have worked on this Double Dragon at least. I'll tell you that much. If you do import the the Blu-ray, you know, just to, for curiosity's sake, I'm sure Cash Converters will give you two bucks for it when you're done. Like, yeah, I think you'll never want to part with it. It's got a fold-out poster, a slipcase. <laughs> it's got everything. Wow. <laughs> you got everything. Um, look, I guess that, that kind of wraps it. I do want to uh, thank you for, for, being, yeah, for being a good sport and watching Double Dragon again. Um, and also want to shout out to the Screaming Meanies for providing our intro, outro music. You should definitely check out his stuff. It's up on Bandcamp. Um, he's killer. Um, and yeah, I actually like to see him rescore Double Dragon. I didn't talk about the score for Double Dragon because it wasn't Don't need to, that's why. Didn't stick out, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, for a film that's directed by a music video director, it doesn't have very good music in it. The intro music to this yeah. podcast is perfect for it. Yes, 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 retro. Totally. It fits the video game mold perfectly. Thanks again, Glenn. No worries.